Who started up to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. All right, now I'm gonna need you to really think because we're going a long, play, long way and we're going really fast, so I need you to really, really try to stay dialed in. So I got a lot of questions for you this weekend. So let me ask you one. What do uh, Miley Cyrus, Oprah, Stephen Colbert, two of the Kardashians, singers Adele and Missy Elliott, and the baseball player Joey Vito, what do all they share in common besides being rich and famous? Let me tell you what they all have in common. They all suffer from severe anxiety and panic attacks that has sidelined them from a lot of their life. Now, what we believe is if I had their money, I wouldn't have any anxiety. I'd all that in my life be good. You believe that, it's just a lie. Because you want to look at stressed out, whacked out, jacked out people, look at rich people. See, we think money's the answer and the master of heaven is the answer. Colbert in an interview with Rolling Stone Magazine said in the 20-somethings he began to be having panic attacks and he said, creating something is what kept me from spinning apart like an unweighted flywheel. And he said, I haven't stopped since. At any given time in America, about 8 million people are diagnosed with anxiety disorders. Now, if that's about 3.5%, but if you take in consideration seasons of extreme, of extreme anxiety, depression, difficulty, that number from 3.5 goes up by 10 to 15 times, folks that are struggling. 20% of adults, 18 to 54, struggle with episodes of mental issues. Some people are able to identify and get help. Others are high-functioning, and they're, uh, they're able to go through the rest of their life and able to maintain with it. The problem is it not only lowers your, uh, lowers your joy in life, but it affects everybody around you more than most of us actually realize. My issue, and I have lots of them, just ask Michelle. She'll be willing to give you a list. We'll call that prayer, but she's got a list. <laughs> My issue is anger. So Michelle will say to me from time to time, did I hurt your feelings? <laughs> Not did I hurt your feelings because I don't have them. I have a feeling, it's anger. It erupts at any given time. And so what I realize is because it affects the people I love the most, I started going to a Christian counselor to get the root of why I'm angry. Because this is the deal. We all have issues. We're all broken. Are y'all with me? And I want to be the best version of myself that I can be for my wife, and my kids, my grandkids, and for you. Pew Research just did a survey with teenagers in America, the most pressing issue is anxiety in their friends. Our, our granddaughter, JL, came home last year from school talking about the, her level of anxiety. A second grader shouldn't even know what anxiety is. Are y'all with me? Now, she heard it from a friend at school who you know, is on medication for anxiety as a second grader, an eight-year-old. One of the number one conversations at Faith Promise Church among 
families with small, with, with small children, grade school is the level of anxiety their kids are going through. Next month, we're bringing a friend of mine in, mine and Pastor Zach, a pastor, wrote an incredible book about anxiety and, and fear in children and in families. So we're gonna be dealing with that next month. So we understand we all have issues, right? Right? We have issues. And what, what ends up happening is it leads us down the wrong path to self-medication. Instead of being grounded in God, we, we self-medicate with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with success, with entertainment, with something else, trying to fill up that empty void in our hearts. Does this make sense, anybody? Come on, y'all, y'all okay? I can start over. Are we together? So how about you? How healthy do you feel? Or could your soul use some refreshment? Hebrew word is ruach. I love that word, ruach. It is the breath of God. It's an incredible. So let me ask you another question. Come on, if you're listening, Sam. Is your current path that you're traveling leading you to greater health or lesser health? The road that you're going, which one is it leading you to? Long before modern medicine, before pharmacology, before psychology, there was an ancient king that lived about 3,000 years ago. His name was David. And David wrote about two-thirds of the book of Psalms or songs. One of those that he wrote is Psalms 23. And he sang that psalm when he was depressed, when he was fearful, when his level of anxiety and stress went up, he would sing this psalm because it would, it would minister to his soul. He wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So before we really dive into verse three, let's just take a moment and pray and ask God for insight. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray Psalms 23 over your church. God, you said that you are our shepherd. Forgive us when we go after secular shepherds, when we go into the wrong fields and the wrong places. You said that we wouldn't want, and yet, God, we do. We can never be content because we never seem to have enough. Forgive us, forgive us. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside quiet waters. You feed us. You restore our soul. God, you want to guide us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, not for ours, but for yours. And even when all hell breaks loose around us, we will fear no evil, for you are there in the middle with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort, they provide, they protect us. And even when all hell breaks loose and our enemies around us, you'll, you, you will prepare a table that we can dine and you'll anoint us at a level we didn't know was possible until our cup runs over. No question that goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in your house forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, that is the revealed will of God for you. So each week in this series, we're halfway through this weekend, verse three, as we look at Psalms 23 and the power of God that is in there, 
We, and we, we want to recharge. Every time we think about recharging, we need to remind ourselves that when it's time for a recharge, we need to return to the one who's in charge. Where are you plugging in for your power source? Is it Facebook? Is it secular? Or is it God's book? Is it spiritual? So maybe you're watching later online or a podcast. Maybe you're at one of our campuses this weekend. You're, maybe you're online, you're on vacation, super stoked you're with us this weekend. Maybe you're listening later. Or you know, maybe you're listening and you're not sure if you believe yet. You're not sure where your footing is as far as God or the church or, or any of this stuff is concerned. What we don't want you to do is struggle through that alone. We want to walk with you. You don't have to believe to belong because we don't want you to go up by yourself. We want to help you because there's really only one source that can restore your soul and lead you in the right paths, and it is God. Psalms 23, verse 3. Are you, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His. We want to build our empire. He wants us to build his kingdom. So he said, I would restore your soul. The word restore is, is, is a compound word, which means to return, to be restored, or to have life, to have breath, to have God restore you, renew you, refresh you. In this incredible poem, our song of Psalms 23, God like, David likens God to a good shepherd who loves, looks after, and leads his sheep. Now, this is an easy example for King David because he was a shepherd before he became a king. And any shepherd knows that you are constantly aware of the pasture, of the problems, or potential dangers that your sheep or your people could face, so you are always alert. That's why he said, he will lead us in the right paths. The right paths. Can, can I be honest with you? Well, I'm going to anyway, but let me just preface this. A lot of us are struggling because we're, we're walking our paths and not God's path. So listen, there is no peace outside his path. There's no peace outside God's path. Now, I know we live in a culture today that said there's no truth. You be you, I'll be me. You do you, I do me. Whatever you do is right, whatever I do is right. Doesn't matter what you want to be, your little boy, little girl. Doesn't matter, nothing, 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 nothing. There's no truth, there's nothing. And people are more jacked up walking the wrong paths than ever in the history of America. Are y'all with me? See, there's no peace on any other path. So David... Last week, Pastor Zach talked, shared in verse two that the good shepherd leads us beside green pastures to feed and still waters to drink. It's incredible because he wants to stay, he wants, the shepherd wants us healthy. What the good shepherd wants for you and me is he wants us grounded. Are you with me? He wants us grounded in him. Now, we've been talking about electricity because we entitled this series Recharge. Let me tell you something about electricity. It has to be grounded. If there's not a grounding rod connected to the power source of your home, 
what will happen is there'll be a power surge, there'll be a lightning or something, will ramp up the volts, and if it's not grounded, it will burn your house down. If you're not grounded, it'll burn your health down. If your marriage is not grounded, it'll burn your marriage down. It'll burn your business down. It'll burn your small group down. We've got to be grounded. Now, years ago, come on, give me some praise if you're going to. Years ago, before they started adding this into electric equipment, if your house had a power surge, it destroyed your television or your stereo stuff. Now, we're, now stuff is built in. We used to buy power surges, surge protectors. You gotta tell you, you need a surge protector for your heart. And it's the great shepherd. Being grounded protects you, your family, from the surges of life. Now, let's think about it. It would be easier if we didn't have so much voltage running through our everyday lives. You've never been busier Man, it just, it absolutely infuriates me. Somebody texts you or calls you. If you haven't responded in four minutes, they're mad texting you back. Hey, dude, man, dude, what, you just want to talk to me? No, I don't even like you. Don't call me back. See, see well, what's the deal? We, we live in this helter-skelter, run, 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 24-7, never unplugged, busy, 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 ballpark work, bills to pay this to, run, 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 run. And that power sucked the life out of us. Does that make sense? See, if you come on, if you want to follow the good shepherd, if you want to follow the good shepherd, Sunday's not enough. If all you get plugged in the power source is Sunday, you're gonna you're you're not gonna make it. That's why we encourage small group. That's why I beg you to have a daily time with you and God so that you will plug into heaven, unplug from the world, are y'all with me? So that you will grow and be grounded. Now, it'd be great if we had less stuff to do. It'd be great if we relaxed more, but that's probably not what's gonna happen. And even if we do, when the power surge comes, if you're not grounded, you could burn to death. You go, just whatever, we've gotta be grounded. Does this make sense, do y'all agree? Let me, let me bring up at one of the great heroes of the faith who was incredible. His name is Elijah. I love this dude. This dude felt, pressure, he felt prey to the pressure of the power surge in his life. Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherim to a contest. Matter of fact, Elijah said, it's not gonna rain for three years unless I say so. It didn't, there's a famine. He tells the king and all the prophets to meet on Mount Carmel, incredible. Michelle and I take a group to Israel about every other year. We're going this October, still have a few seats left. If you'll call my assistant, Jody, uh, she can help you out with that. But one of our first stops is Mount Carmel. I love it. So he prays the fire down from heaven, kills 850 prophets, a huge victory, but he's out of energy. He's out of air. Depression hits. Fear hits, anxiety hits, because the queen says, I'm, by, in 24 hours, you're dead meat. So Elijah says, I want to die. God, kill me. God didn't want to kill him. God wanted to restore him. Now, here's the problem. Elijah didn't want to be restored. He wanted to be killed. 
Now think about you when you're fearful, when you're anxious, when you're depressed, when stress and anxiety, when the world caves in around you, you're not looking to be restored, are you? You're looking to wallow in how horrible life is. Does that make sense? Come on, let's speak. Listen, the only way to get restored is to get real. That's the only way to get restored. And so Elijah didn't want to be restored. God asked him two or three times, hey, what are you doing? Kill me. What are you doing? Kill me. What are you doing? Kill me. If you're a Christ follower, you understand this battle. If you're not in relationship with Jesus, then not only do you not understand this battle, but there's no power in your life to restore your soul. And in a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to rectify the situation. So Elijah is fighting this godless culture. He's trying to turn the people, the Israelites, back to God from Baal and from Ashram and from Molech. Molech is one of the gods that Israel was worshiping. They had a skillet, 20 foot round. They would build a huge fire, get it red hot, and throw their babies onto the skillet. And they would sacrifice them to the God of Molech. And you say, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. 70 million American babies sacrificed. Are y'all with me? Didn't like that part, did you? See, Elijah is fighting this wicked culture because they've forsaken Jehovah. Even though he wins a battle on the mountain, he's done. He's out of breath. He's out of energy. He's out of fight. And he said, I want to die. So what does God do? I love this. What, what does God say? What does God do? How did God get Elijah back grounded instead of depressed and suicidal? Again, you find the story in 1 Kings 18 and 19. It's incredible. If you don't go back and read it. First, I want you to see something. First, God is not mad at Elijah because he's suicidal. See, if I was God, I'd say, dude, you just prayed fire down. Pray fire down on Queen Jezebel. Why are you afraid? If I was God, you need to be glad I'm not. Are y'all with me? And I'm glad you're not. So God's not mad. He's not mad. He understands Elijah is a big bag of dirt. Jesus understood. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way like we are yet without sin. King David understood because here's the least son that wasn't invited to the party was out back with the sheep. Here's the guy that Saul chased for years while he hid in the wilderness and in caves while Saul had thousands of soldiers out there looking to kill him. Here's the guy who the, you know, who the Gergeshites, the Hittites, the, you know, termites, all these people wanted to kill him. Are you with me? His son wanted to kill him and take his throne, and he understood what it was like. Two-thirds of the Psalms and many times, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. He got it. He got it. And can, can I, can I, I'm going to try to be as raw and real as I know how to be. I get it. I have been leading Faith Promise for 28 years. All right, thank you, thank you, I got you. I used to think, I used to not understand this passage in Elijah, but I got it now. After fighting the culture for 42 years, after watching the values 
Do we just have in America crumble where a little boy, a little girl doesn't even know what they are, where we can't define marriage? Where I, 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 in, a, in, a, in, a, in a place, I understand fighting the devil. I don't understand people leaving faith promise and hating my guts. I don't, I'm gonna tell you, I don't get that. I don't hate them, but they hate me. I don't understand social media attacks where faith promise works where our people get on there and side with people that hate faith promise. Don't get on there. Come on. But I just got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of, I was so angry at COVID. I watched five years of living on the altar of service be poured out with 1,500 people that, that just didn't come back to church. Now, I got to tell you, I wish we wouldn't have closed. I wish we wouldn't, but nobody was coming in because we were as scared as the world is, was. Now, next time we close, UT Medical will be closed and the abortion clinics will be closed and the liquor stores will be closed. <laughs> but we were closed for eight weeks and over 1,500 people said, ah, I'm not going back to church. I just, man, I was, I mean, you get tired. Are you with me? And then now for the last couple years of rebuilding and watching a couple thousand new people come, it's exciting. It's incredible. I'm so thrilled you're here, but listen, this is what I had to do. I have to retrain you. Because either you came from, didn't know the Lord, or you knew the Lord and you came here, but I had to retrain you like, you're supposed to bring your tithes to the house of God. <laughs> no amen there, huh? <laughs> See, I had to retrain because the people that left were trained that you bring the first 10% before you pay your cable bill, before you pay your house bill, before you pay all your bills, you bring the first 10% to the house of God. <laughs> That wasn't even a good golf clap. <laughs> so it's see, that's not enough. Well, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, Pastor Zach is gonna have to really weigh in on this <laughs> and help you. Are, are you with me? I, we gotta train everybody that's new that whatever walks through these doors, I don't care if they walk, crawls, flies, highs, slides, drives, or rides, we're gonna love them in Jesus' name. And to whoever's sitting next to you every Sunday, you gotta love on. Are you with me? Are you, are you out there? Yes. See, if you're new, you didn't know that. You gotta retrain. I, I'm, I'm tired of retraining. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And, and so, here's the deal. I'm ready for the transition. Some of you say, no, we liked the way it was. Well, I got that. None of us like change. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be preaching better than Zach, but I'm still going to be <laughs> preaching. Michelle's still going to be singing. Are you with me? But like Moses told God, hey, this burden is excessive. And he said, I'm going to send 70 men. So back to Elijah. What does God do? to Elijah. So Elijah's suicidal. He leaves his servant. He goes to days of wilderness and he passes out under a tree. Angel wakes him up. Hey, get up. He's got a gallon of sweet tea and a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. 
Now, I know Hebrew, you don't, so you can't argue with that. So, the Bible says a cake baked on a hot stone. That's a Krispy Kreme. And so he eats those, he passes back out. Hours later, the angel wakes him back up, got another gallon of ice cold sweet tea and another dozen donuts. He eats those and then God sends him to the mountain of God. The angel says, don't hoard because God's got a word. What does he do? Number one is rest. Some of y'all need a nap. You just need a nap. But you feel guilty if you take a nap. The Bible says sharpen the ax. Come on. If you, don't, if you don't take care of yourself physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, then you're not gonna be any good to anyone, including yourself or God. So he said, rest. Then he gave him food and water. He's taking care of his body. And then he said, I got a word. I got a word, go to Horeb, I got a word. So, so David said, God restores my soul. The word soul is nefesh in the Hebrew. It is your life breath. So David is writing for us a picture of somebody that's been kicked in the stomach and had their wind knocked out. You ever had the wind knocked out of you? You try to, you can't get any in. That's the image that David is writing and God is there to breathe the Ruach to restore your soul. Are y'all with me? Has somebody kicked the wind out of your soul? Or what are you turning to? Where are you grounding yourself? Because we believe it's clear that only the good shepherd can truly restore our souls. It's only him. So what is, so God, Elijah goes and meets with God. God's got a word. I want you to do this, this. And the third thing God said I want you to do is I want you to go find Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and I want you to anoint him the next prophet of Israel. Long time ago, God told me, before you get too old, anoint the next prophet of faith promise because it is generation two. Generation. Gener Come on, generation two. Generation. generation. Here's the deal. Pastor Zach will lead us for another quarter century to the greatest days this church has ever seen because we're going after another generation. See, so David, when he's depressed, when he's fearful, at the top of his lungs and the depth of his soul, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm surrounded by the enemy, but you're preparing a table. You're breathing life into my soul. You're showing me the right path to go. You're gonna protect me. You're gonna be good to me, and you're gonna take me to heaven. And even in the midst of all hell, God would breathe life into David. Are y'all with me? God wants to breathe life into you, faith into you, power into you, anointing into you. He wants you to be so anointed, it's spilling out of your cup. Come on, somebody, give him some praise in the house. Come on. Now, we have a tendency to focus on specific things, the day we're saved or baptized, maybe the day we joined the church or the day Jesus come back. All those days matter, but listen, this is what it says in verse three. God restores my soul. He didn't say God restored it. He said he restores it. Present tense. He guides me. Not he guided me. 
Not back at youth camp 40 years ago when you were on fire. He guides me. He leads me. He restores me. He anoints me. Are y'all with me? He feeds me. That's a present day deal. Now, just like your body burns fuel, it burns calories and water, your spirit does the same. Your soul, and it's got to be, it's got to be replenished. It's got to be restored. But if you only look for physical strength, health, diet, exercise, to the exclusion of your spirit and your soul, you'll drop and die inside. God wants to restore you. So let's say this evening you go home. You don't get your door and your car closed all the way or you leave the lights on. Tomorrow morning, what will you find in your car? What? Dead battery. Nothing in the car is going to help you, is it? You got to get a charge. You get a battery charger. You got to get a jump, something outside. Let me tell you, when you need to be recharged, it comes from heaven. He wants to clamp on the jumper cables, bring on the Holy Ghost. He wants to shock us with a little energy. See, we should be walking in peace because we follow the Prince of Peace. So I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna open this altar up. Our prayer counselors will be here. The crosses are open. You can take the Lord's Supper. You can light a candle. Ask God to light. But listen, I've been as raw and as real as I know how. Michelle came to me about eight months ago and said, Chris, you're more angry than since her dad met you. Nah, that's probably not true. Then Micah rolls in about a week later. I don't think they're in tandem. They could have been. He said, Dad, you know you're angrier now than any time I've ever known you. So Michelle and Micah only have one agenda. They love me. Are you with me? There's no agenda. They love me. And so I'm, I'm understanding that even though I'm saved, I'm still broken. And my counselor said, Chris, it's because your past. I said, it's not that. I'm over that. He said, 12 years you lived with trauma. It's affecting you. So I'm gonna get better. Or I'll kill one of my grandkids, so I'm gonna get better. <laughs> I mean, I let my children live. So I don't know how to be any more honest with you. You know you, you, know you need him. Quit, come on, just do whatever God says, amen. Father, I come to you now. I told him everything he gave me. I don't know what else to do. So Lord, you're the source. You're our strength. As the song said, you're a provider. You're enough. Jaira, you're enough. In these next couple holy moments, God, would you hook some jumper cables up? Would you restore some souls? Would you give new vision? Would you give fresh words like you did for Elijah? Would you help us, God? We can't do it without you. We're broken destitute and impotent, but with you, God, we can do all things. So I ask for a heavenly moment in Jesus' name. Go ahead and let's stand. All these altars, whatever you need to do, come on. Our prayer counselors are here, whatever you need, come on, turn it over to Jesus.